Hi friends, this is JFET. Whether you're around the corner or across the world, welcome to The Daily Walk. I want you to take a moment today to pause in Jesus and see what new thing could take place in your life. At the end of this podcast, you can download our app, Boulder Church, or visit us online at boulder.church to connect. And remember, we would love to hear from you as we prepare for our messages every Saturday morning on The Daily Walk. Wow, okay, it's Tuesday, July 10. Welcome to Daily Walk. I am Becky de Oliveira. And I'm Jafit de Oliveira. Jafit, have a prayer for us, please. Yes. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you again for us to be able to gather here. I want to thank you for the technology that we have to be able to speak to each other, to dialogue, and to reflect on your word. I ask God for the opportunity of the Spirit to lead us into something that's going to transform our lives and transform the communities that we're connected with. Bless us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this has been an exciting week with lots of different translations, but I'm relieved to see that Tuesday I get my message yes, translation. You do. Anyway, and, you know, accordingly, it's a good 5, paragraph pages longer, longer yeah. than everything else, a long paragraph longer. <laughs> yeah, it, it is wordy. We'll give it that. It is a message, though. So, okay, again, we're reading Romans 4, verses 13 through 25 from The Message. That famous promise God gave Abraham that he and his children would possess the earth was not given because of something Abraham did or would do. It was based on God's decision to put everything together for him, which Abraham then entered when he believed. If those who get what God gives them only get it by doing everything they are told to do and filling out all the right forms properly signed, that eliminates personal trust completely and holds the promise into an ironclad contract. That's not a holy promise, that's a business deal. A contract drawn up by a hard-nosed lawyer and with plenty of fine print only makes sure that you will never be able to collect. But if there is no contract in the first place, simply a promise, and God's promise at that, you can't break it. This is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God in His way and then simply embracing Him in what He does. God's promise arrives as pure gift. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it, those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them. For Abraham is father of us all. He's not our racial father. That's reading the story backward. He's our faith father. We call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do, raise the dead to life with a word with a word, make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God set us right with God. Okay, I think this displays a little bit of um, kind of a funny attitude toward the way the legal system works and okay. contracts and okay. stuff, I thought. I'm like, 
yeah, it's much better not to have a contract. You just want to have a promise. I mean, yeah, <laughs> do that the next time you buy a house or a business. Or yeah. it, it seems to me, no, that, that is a little backwards. A contract might be impersonal, but it's pretty, it's a lot more guaranteed than someone's word. Hmm. I mean, given this is God we're talking about and not someone. Sure. But ordinarily, in regular life, I think a contract is not merely something that you can weasel out of if you have a hard-nosed lawyer. Um, you can try that, but I don't know that it works all that often. So, Because you would have what, had a hard-nosed lawyer draw it up in the first place, right? Yeah, so Eugene's trying here through the, through the paraphrase of the message to do what then? Well, he's trying to say that a promise is better than a contract. Yeah, that God's word is actually yes, is, and supersedes even like a legal contract. So then there's no need for God to actually right. give you any evidence or say anything concrete. You just uh, And here's another thing yeah, that, that kind All of right, messes with me with this okay, whole yeah, concept is Abraham was given a very specific promise that he would have a son. Okay, uh, and then yes. we're extrapolating from that and saying that we also are given a promise. Well, what is it? We don't, I don't know what my specific promise is, and so I'm supposed to believe oh, God. I get you. But what is my specific promise? It's not, Becky, you are going to, you know, I don't know what yeah. it is. So I'm supposed to just you sort of believe cheated. in general. You feel cheated. I don't feel cheated. <laughs> I just think it's different. It's different. to If, if um, somebody says to me, Becky, I'm going to give you a puppy, hmm. then, hey, no, that's not if a good I idea. trust them, yeah. then I think, okay, yeah, that this person, I know them, they always do what they say, they'll give me a puppy. But then if I'm just supposed to trust them in general, that whatever they do will be for my benefit, like what, what does that even mean? I think, I think like it's most people are not living their lives in relation yeah. to me, even somebody I trust quite a bit. I don't have a number of friends, but am I supposed to trust that they are every moment mm. of their life working toward the betterment of mm-hmm. my life? No, that would just be delusional and weird. I think part of the issue is that often... When we read chapter four, we'll focus all on on the gift of what God is giving, right? And we'll focus on the gift that God has given of justification and and how He's given us salvation. And we pick up from chapter three twenty one, and we we kind of fly through a few favorite texts all the way through. But chapter four is kind of like the peak of this first mountain. So chapters one to four are this first mountain. Then He leaps across to this other mountain, chapters five through to eight, where He's like flying through this other place over there. But chapter 4 is this place where where actually what Paul is saying here is that there is this incredible promise made to Abraham, which wasn't about his literal son. It was about the fact that the the gospel was for everybody. So that's why he's saying to him, before you were circumcised, before you were accepted in the way that you thought you should be accepted, before you were even following me in the way that you thought you should be following me, I, I, I... called you and I named you and I pulled you forward and you accepted that gift and you actually have become the father of all people. And what are we? We continue to be people who accept all people, which is what I thought Mark, uh, actually the other Mark, right? Because we had Mark Wittes last week. I just realized that. Yeah. So Mark Wittes brought that really great question on Friday last week about who we excluded and oh, included. Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. that? And I thought that was a great kind of like question to close off the daily walk from last week because that's actually what Paul's saying we should not be excluding anyone it is for all and this text here really says yes well and then that kind of segues well into the question that we yeah. have about what's friendship. the question I haven't even looked at it yet yeah oh man okay here we go Tuesday it's a three-part question oh my goodness Mark this is a paragraph it's because he read the message so he thought it should be as long all right here we go <laughs> <laughs> it's only fitting. okay how can one build a friendship with God 
is the method fundamentally different than what we use in building friendships with other humans? How can we keep our friendship with God from being a one-way friendship? Hmm. Wow. That's good. That's interesting, especially in the... That's really funny. The modern-day sense of friendship where mm. a lot of people don't actually see people that they're friends with in a face-to-face kind of way yeah, anymore, and which fact, makes it a little bit more, makes the whole God is a friend thing make a bit more sense. Yeah. Because I used to always think the fact that God is like invisible is sort of a problem. I noticed that you did. Yeah, in terms you of that up. friendship, yeah, yeah I, I often do. I'm a tangible yeah. person. But, you know, I have friendships with people whom I rarely see. My best friend lives in Norway. I haven't seen her in more than two years. Yeah. I like this question. In fact, actually, I brought up the question last week uh, for the Connect Groups uh, at our church where we were, asked, we were I was asking the question, do we reconcile with our friends? How do we reconcile with our friends? And do we actually use the same method of reconciliation with, with God? And how does God reconcile with us? And can we learn anything from that? And I think this is a similar one about a friendship with God. And is there something fundamentally different between the way we build friendships with humans? Well, of course, when we see people, yeah. Tactile. It's good. Well, there's also the but thing that time. God is never wrong. Oh. So wouldn't, wouldn't that be a, a different... I mean, it's it's basically... It's Except not an equal God. relationship. So, do you ever feel like... I well, mean, God's I don't feel all like, powerful, omniscient. Yeah. I just He's don't feel like wrong. God ever lords it over me. Well, I don't feel that way either because, again, he's invisible. So no, no. How, but how like, would he I don't lord read, it over I don't me? Read, like, nah, 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 nah. I mean, <laughs> what would that even be? I don't read the Bible and feel like God is beating me down in the Bible. Well, so he doesn't I don't, need to. He can smite you. <laughs> and, and you know it. So uh, yeah, but I don't When believe, you have real I don't power, there's in, no need to swagger. I don't swagger. believe that God is smiting me. Right. Uh, <laughs> but isn't that true? There is no need to swagger if you have real power. Oh, okay. If you have so, real power, you wield it. So you believe God does smite people. Well, I suppose uh, it, it does say okay. that from time to time. There's some people that probably... I can't believe we went through the whole rust of God smiting. stuff. And, and, and I, did I not ever mention that? Oh, we didn't bring that up, so oh, we're going to Yeah, well, it's, it's a belief I have. I we're believe have, that God we're people smite. I don't back. have any evidence for that one or the other. I know, we're going to come back to that. And I don't have a belief Don't about tell Mark this. All right. Okay, good. How can we keep our friendship with God from being a one-way friendship? I think that's a really important question. And I think the time... More than anything. I think this is true of people who are far away. I mean, you, you spend time with your friend in, in Norway, even though you don't get to see her. You, I mean, you try to connect on a regular basis. Talk, yeah. I think time. I think well, and think, the one-way thing would be where you're putting all the work in yeah. and God isn't or vice versa. Yeah. So presumably it would be impossible for you to be putting all the work in and God to be doing nothing. Although I think a lot of people probably feel that way. I think people, people do. who consistently pray and read the Bible and do what they are what they think they are supposed to do and they don't feel like they're getting any yeah. thing back. I and mean, you are getting things back. You're getting the fact that you're alive and you're breathing and you live in a beautiful world, but I can see where that would feel pretty cold if you're facing really serious difficulties. I can imagine it would be very cold comfort. That would be. And I think that, you know, I mean, Paul brings us up in the text last week that we were talking about where he says, you know, while the, the quoting David, the passage that David talks about, you know, while I was like failing, while everything's going wrong yet... I'm redeemed, yet I'm called and justified. And so I think there's power inside that. Well, our time is up. I want you guys to think about this long question here, but it's a good question. How can one build a friendship with God? Is the method fundamentally different than what we use in building friendships with other humans? And how can we keep our friendship with God from being a one-way friendship? Look after each other, live love, and we'll connect tomorrow. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Daily Walk podcast today. If you remember, if you have any questions, reach out to us online at boulder.church. 
And if you can help support us, please feel free to give online at boulder.church forward slash give. Until next time, look after each other and live love.